So I want to ask you a question today. What does it take to please God? You know, if you ask people outside here, they'd have very uh, opinions. Some would say, well, you know, if I say the same prayers over and over again and light a candle, that's pleasing to God. They think that, you know, rituals is, is God. That's pleasing to God. Others think, well, rules and regulations, you know, no, nobody's perfect, so there's the to-do list and the not-to-do list. And if you do all the to-do list and you don't do all the not-to-do list, you kind of make it. So they think it's rules and regulation. And then even further, a lot of people think religion. You know, if I go to church every Sunday and, uh, you know, especially Christmas and Easter, take communion, be baptized, but none of that can really cause you to be a Christian. You have to be a Christian before you do that. I always say when I do water baptism, there's nothing holy about this water. It came out of Lake Ontario or an artesian well. But it represents something. But if you're not connected, you're just religious. You ever have people, oh, yeah, you got religion. Well, I want you to know God's not interested in ritual. He's not into rules and regulations. And he's not even interested in religion. What he wants is a loving, trusting relationship. But there's only one thing that really pleases him. What is it? That's a good one. But the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6. Think of that. Think of that now. Without faith, it's absolutely impossible to please God. For first, we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the Bible has a lot to say about faith. Jesus said, I've never seen such great faith. O ye of little faith. And there's no faith. Faith without works is dead. We're to live by faith and not by sight. So what is faith? I mean, how does that play out in our everyday life? I'm glad you asked because I want you to turn to Hebrews 11. That's the digest of faith. And in there, we will discover what faith is and how it applies to our life. I don't know about you, but I'm sure the fact that you're here, you want to please God. So we need to discover what faith is and how it applies to our lives. And I want to highlight six aspects of faith uh, from Hebrews 11. And uh, there, if you can apply this to your everyday life, on an ongoing basis, because nobody arrives. We have to keep working at it. But if we apply these aspects of faith to our everyday life, I can guarantee you on the Word of God, you're going to please Him. And 
You might not please anybody else, but if you please him, that's the most important thing. Amen? So, let me have a look here. I got notes, but you think I don't, but I do. <laughs> so, what is faith? Well, verse 1. Faith is believing when you don't see it. It's the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things that we cannot yet see. So it's believing before you see it. Now, lots of times we think, we hear people say, I'll believe it when I see it. And God says, no, you got it wrong. In order to see it, you have to believe it. Like, for instance, think of this. An architect that would be building a brand new building that never existed. Have you ever wondered all these designs and everything? They had to picture it. They had to see it before it actually became a reality. They had to dream about it. I could do this, do that, and work it all out. But they had to see it before it really happened. I, I, I remember being over in Florence and uh, this wonderful carving of Michelangelo, of the David. It was a huge marble slab, huge. And all you could see is a slab. But Michelangelo could see a David in it. And he chiseled it out before anybody else could see it. He, he could imagine it and he could see it before it actually took place. And it's it's a marvel today when you look at the statue. Of, he's got the, the bag uh, around his neck and down his here, and he's got the slingshot, and, you know, it, it really is amazing. But he had, to, he had to believe before he could see it. He had to, he had to believe it was going to be possible. And so that's how it works in our lives. We have to believe God before we see it. Now, I told you a week or so ago how when I was called into ministry and I filled out my application, and eventually I got my application, and uh, my mother brought it to me, and she said, oh, here's from the vow, and I opened it up, and I had a cigarette in one hand, and, and I had the application, the acceptance in the other. And she said, what's wrong? Did, he, did you not get accepted? I said, yeah, I can't go like this. So I went to Brayside Camp, good old Brayside. <clears throat> That's where I got saved. That's where I got called. <laughs> and now I go back, and, you know, I'm just really feeling convicted and thinking I can't be a hypocrite. So I told my pastor, I saw him there, I said, uh, <clears throat> Pastor, I got my acceptance to Bible college. Oh, that's great. He said, uh, but I'm still smoking. Would you pray for me? And he said, no. That was an encouragement. No. So I go into the old tabernacle, and I kneel down, and I said, God, I don't question that you've called me. But 
I was either going to go all the way back or all the way on. And just by pure faith, I got up from there and I said, Lord, I won't touch another cigarette. I got Friday under my belt. It's a long weekend. And Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And as I walked out that old tabernacle, you know where, if, how many have been to Brayside? Okay, so you know where the office is. That used to be Skid Row over there. They used to have old cottages there, Skid Row. I think they got them from the railway workers, you know. And then that nice grass area, and then over here were some more cottages. As I walked out, this young lady was walking across so gracefully all on her own, long flowing hair and a pink gingham dress, and I was watching her. I didn't know who she was, but I knew the voice of God. And he said, if you stay true to me, you can have her as your wife. I thought that was a good deal. That night we met casually with others that were going to Bible college. She was one year ahead of me. I didn't tell her that until two years later. And here's the proof. And. Uh, <clears throat> I'm cutting that sh short, but it's, it's true. I had to believe it before it actually happened. And that's what's required of us. So the first thing, faith is believing before you see it. Second, it's obeying when you don't understand it. Now, there's two there. If you went back to verse 7... Um, I know I didn't put it in my notes, but I was thinking of it. I was praying about it. and It's Noah, you know, verse 7, if you find that one. And, uh, but it says, Noah being warned of God, he built an ark. By faith, he built an ark, being warned of God, of something that's never happened before. And I got thinking on that. And I thought, well... Um, If you woke up and God said, I'm going to destroy a whole world and start again with you and your family, do you think you'd have any, some questions about that? I mean, think of it. God said, I'm going to wipe out the whole world population, but I'm going to start again with you. Was it the pizza I ate last night? I don't know. But being warned of God by faith, he built the ark. Now, if you want a good summer trip, listen to me, because this is really good. Go to Williamsburg, Kentucky. They have built the ark exact size. And I went there and I spent a whole day. I didn't get to the creation one. It's a theme park. I got to the ark. And I'll tell you, I have a new appreciation for Noah. He had to be an engineer. 450 feet long. And it's 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. And it was built exactly to specifications. They spent millions on it to be a witness. That would be a trip to go if you're looking for something to do. And God will supply your need for all the gas. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> but think of this. 
It took him 120 years, and if you get there, you understand. He had to be an engineer, and how he built this thing. But it had never been done before. He said, think of a, you know, 100 acres, and you've got a guy out there, and he's out in the middle of nowhere, and he's building this big boat. It's not near Lake Ontario or anywhere, and, he, and there'd never been any rain till then. And here he is, and, and so entertainment for the weekend was to take a case of beer, go down and make fun of him. Hey, no, what are you doing? Uh, building an ark. Well, what's an ark? Well, it's going to be a big boat. How big? Well, you wouldn't believe it. Why are you doing that? Because God said it's going to rain. Rain? What's rain? Never rained before. Not only that, there's going to be a great flood. And he pleaded with the people, but they made fun of him, and he looked ridiculous. But he obeyed God, even when he didn't understand it. And the time came, you know the story. God closed the ark, and it began to rain, and he looked like a genius from there on in. Everybody panicked for their life, and they, they were gone. But he obeyed God, even when he didn't understand. I asked Doris that once, has God ever asked you to do something you didn't understand? She said, yeah, marry you. And, you know, but... <laughs> I just want to know you're listening. But anyway, so, but, so I just think sometimes God will ask us to do something that we don't understand, doesn't make sense. But if you know the voice of God, you do it anyway. By faith, Abraham, at the age of 75, God speaks to him while everybody's cashing in their RSPs he said, Abe, yes. He said, pack your bags and leave town. Where are we going? You never heard of the place? And how long? Well, I'll tell you when we get there. Can you imagine? I'm not going to ask for ages, but at 75, you're thinking, you know, I've made it this far. I'm going to just take it easy. He was just beginning. Can you imagine how it must have felt when he took his family and everybody and, and he's leaving town and he keeps going and then that becomes a distance in the horizon. He didn't know where he was going but he obeyed God not knowing where he was going but he knew who he was going with. And by faith he obeyed God and he became the father of the nation of Israel the father of the faithful. Aren't you thankful that they obeyed? I remember a time when we pastored in Truro, Nova Scotia. We were there for four years. Wherever I've been, I, have to, I didn't plan it this way. It's just my nature. <clears throat> I don't like paying interest. You might want to know that, Terry. We didn't, I don't like paying interest. So wherever I went, I'd pay it off and fill it up. And the money we saved on interest, we put to missions. I've always been a missionary-minded pastor. So the church is going great, and it's September. We went home in the summer, and I had a couple of calls, one before, and uh, I, it was a great opportunity. 
But in my heart, I knew it wasn't it, and I turned it down. And the guy that took that church phoned me because he knew I had gone there for the interview, and he asked if I'd consider his church. So I went up there in the summer. Everything went well, but it has to be more than a paycheck. And I said, no. So my superintendent sees me at Brayside, and he says, Dave, what's going on? And I told him, he said, well, because he pastored one of those churches twice. And I said, I don't know, I just can't seem, but it's unsettling me. I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't be afraid to start a brand new church downtown Toronto. I'd go into Holiday Inn and rent a room, a, a, a banquet room, and, and, but you know, I'd need to get a church to back me. He said, well, we're meeting this afternoon. Come in and see us at lunchtime. Met with the district executive, mapped it all out. They said, okay, we'll look into it. Now I come back home to Truro after being away for the summer for just a couple of weeks, but everything happened in there. And so the peg was loose. You know what I mean? Like it just felt, couldn't kind of get us excited. So when September starts, everybody knows that that's when the church year calendar starts. Everything starts up, Sunday school, young people's, everything's going. And I'm sitting there, my assistant's leading the service it's Sunday morning, and all of a sudden God says, you can go now. <gasps> okay. And that morning... I read my notes, and I didn't look up. I just kept reading, reading my notes. I, I couldn't work it up. And all the ladies came to Doris and said, is your husband feeling okay? She didn't know what was going on until I told her afterwards. So I resigned to the board that afternoon. I, I met, called them, wanted to meet with them, and met with them afterwards. And they said, well, will you stay on until we get a pastor? I said, okay, but I need a week to get back home here to find a place. I don't know where I'm going. So on Monday morning, district executive calls and picks up from our conversation in the summer. Dave, we're in meeting, and uh, we couldn't find a church, but um, we're wondering if you consider Georgetown. I said, well, I was thinking evangelism. They said, well, that would be evangelism, Dave. Nobody's going there, you know. <laughs> they either went to MGT or to KRT, the ones that lived in town. So we drove. We were obeying when we didn't understand. I had one Sunday off. We were looking around for property. Well, what's... Well, we drove into Georgetown because Brampton's my hometown and sat there and I felt, yeah, I guess we're supposed to come. So we started looking at houses and boy, they were pretty pricey then. Nothing now, but I mean, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, I thought, okay, we drove into the Moore Park that's near the church and as we drove up this house for sale, a lady drives up. Oh, you're from Nova Scotia, still had plates. This is, you, want, you want to buy a house? This is my house. She was the realtor, so I go in. And I just said, I'm a businessman. I didn't, you know, while that on. And uh, just looking, but she had plaques up and everything. She goes to KRT. And I said, oh, I know. Yeah, well, I'm just on business. So I phoned the superintendent, take her into your confidence. Long story short, we were able to buy a house 
in Acton. And the superintendent signed, I'm in good standing, so my mortgage would come in. So I had a house without a church. And the Sunday I preach in Cambridge, the pastor said, pray for the Tapleys as they're looking for God's direction. And this man came up after the Sunday night service and said, so where, where are you moving to? Well, we got a house in Acton. Well, I can move you. Well, yeah. How much? He said five hundred dollars. Because it was going to be five thousand. I thought five. I asked the pastor, "Who is this guy? He's a board member, good man. That's what it would cost him for fuel." So, we're just being obedient. I know this is getting long, but I mean, it's a good point. Obeying when you don't understand. So we drop in on our way home to Kingston with my brother-in-law. And the phone rings the next day, and it's the pastor from Cambridge. And I thought he's going to let me down. Anyway, <laughs> he said, "If you next Wednesday, a week away, if you can, if you can have your stuff all together, I, I've got another guy in the church, and he's coming up out of Halifax with an empty tractor trailer. He'll move you free." I thought that's a good deal. We were in a parsonage. I took all the cutlery and everything out of the church kitchen, and. Kids slept on sleeping bags. I said, we're going to camp out for the next few weeks. And anyway, and I got up and I come back home and they're thinking, well, what's happening to the pastor? And I told them what I told you. And they, they, they stood and applauded. Praise God. Not that I'm leaving, but God was supplying our need. So you've got to obey when you don't understand it. And he'll show you. So faith is believing before you see it. It's obeying when you don't understand it. And then it says... It's giving God, God's way when at times you think you can't afford it. It says of Abel, by faith, he gave a more excellent sacrifice. Now, Abel isn't known for anything else, no great accomplishment, but for giving. He gave a more excellent sacrifice. Faith and finances goes together. Who are you going to trust, God or your payroll? I, I remember hearing of a, a, a fellow that he had a good-paying job, and he came to the pastor and said, Pastor, I'm having a terrible time. I need your prayers. What's your problem? He said, well, you know, I have a big salary, and when I put the tithe in the plate, that's a lot of money. Oh, I understand. He puts his arm, God... Bless Bill. Give him a lesser paying job so he feels more comfortable. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He got the point. <laughs> so sometimes you might think, especially nowadays with inflation, I, wherever I go, I preach on tithing. That's how you get the thing paid off. But anyway, <laughs> and, but I want to partner with God, and God is faithful. Amen? So if you're not tithing, you need to start. Because... He said, prove me and see if I won't open the winds of heaven. And I can testify, looking back, even when I didn't know sometimes when the next thing was coming, he supplied the need. So he'll honor those who honor him. And so we need to give what rightfully belongs to God. A tithe is a tenth before any income tax or whatever. You give from the top. And that's just the beginning. 
you can give over and above that. And as you do, God will bless you, and he'll make you a blessing. So it's giving rightfully what belongs to God, obeying when you don't understand it, believing before you see it, and it's persisting when you don't feel like it. it says Moses, by faith, it's always preceded by faith, he persevered because he saw him who's invisible. I really feel for Moses, you know, for 40 years wandering in the desert with all these belly acres. I mean, you know, God was so good, he provided manna. I said, what's for dinner? Manna. What's for supper? Manna. What's for breakfast? Manna. I'm getting tired of this. They all complained. When they ran out of water, throw the tree in, and bitter water became sweet. He'll, he even opened a red sea. I, I can't understand. I'd be poking a hole thinking, that's like jello when you're going through. You know. But God did all of these things, and they quickly forgot, and they murmured. Murmured. That doesn't sound good, does it? Murmur, 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 murmur. But that's what they did. They murmured. And as they murmured, God was displeased with them. And Moses at times lost his patience. He didn't feel like wandering, but he kept his eyes on him who's invisible, and he persevered. And sometimes, if you look at circumstances around you, you'll get discouraged. If you look at yourself, you'll get depressed. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, He'll give you a peace that surpasses understanding. And he'll say, this is the way, walk in it. And by faith, we persevere even when we don't feel like it. Because we walk by faith. And Moses was a great example of that. Verse 30, it's thanking God before you get it. By faith, Joshua took the city and, and the walls of Jericho came down. Now you know the story. Feeling the pressure while he's in Gilgal, he slips out under the cover of night just to call on God. And over in the shadows was a, a soldier drawn and, and Joshua startled. He pulls his sword. Are you for us or against us? He said, neither, I'm the captain of salvation. And he fell at his feet. And in that moment, God gave him supernatural strategy how to take Jericho. Because the next day, he gathered the people together, and he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. We're going to march up. And he said, by the way, listen real careful. No complaining. No murmuring. Everybody keeps silent, and we're going to march around the wall. And as they, you know the story of Rahab, our hearts are melting. And as they saw them coming, they, oh, here they come now. They heard about what God had done for them, getting them across the Red Sea and providing. And so as they were coming up, they thought, and they're on the wall looking at them, and not a sound. They just march around. And then they go back home. I don't like the feeling of this, do you? No. 
What do you think they're up to? I don't know. Oh, here they come again next day. Same team. Next day. Tension is building. If you want to get the enemy upset, don't, don't speak to them. You know? and, and so here they are. And by then they're thinking, I don't know. It just seems strange to me. And fear was gripping their hearts. And of course, you know, on the seventh day, seven times around, and he said, don't say a word until the trump sounds. And then the shofar. And they gave a mighty shout, praise God. And the walls came down. And they went down like an elevator. I've been there. They dug them up. Didn't fall on them. Like an elevator. Supernatural act of God. So faith is thanking God before you get it. Because if I was there, I'd be saying, Bert, do you see any cracks in the wall? No. That hasn't changed a bit. But we couldn't say a word. But I'd be thinking that. But they gave a mighty shout of triumph. So sometimes we just need to praise God that his word holds the answer. When doubts come, his word holds the answer. When fears taunt, his presence will never leave you. We need to praise him for who he is. We serve an awesome God. Now the last part of the chapter, you don't hear very much about this, but it talks about those who, number six, we're up here. All these people earned a good reputation. Why? Because of their faith. Yet, none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. So what that means is, it's like a relay race. So Abraham does his lap. And he hands it off to the next. Moses does his lap. So it's Isaac and Jacob and then Moses and Joshua and they're all running the relay race. And now they're handing off the baton to us. And we are in the last lap of the last days. And we need to run to win. And I'll tell you, sometimes we don't always get what we think. So faith is thanking God when you don't get it. They had to thank him anyway. God is sovereign. And he can say, yes, not now, or no. But know this, even if you don't get it, and God doesn't answer prayer the way you think he should, and when he should, and how he should, always remember he has your best interests at heart. Our granddaughter, Sarah, she loved Jesus, but she contracted cancer, and she fought that for a couple of years. And just before she reached the age of 12, she went into the presence of God. We were in Zimbabwe. My son, Matt, called, and he said, Dad, she's gone. The travel agency was really good. We flew out the next day and got home. And Matt told me, he said, Dad, the night before she passed, 
We were in the family room and Sarah was on the mattress. We spoke blessings over her. And then all four of us, Matt, Lisa, Joey, and Abby, took a corner of the mattress and we brought her to the Lord one more time. And Sarah, even then, it wasn't lack of faith, even then she said, Lord, even now, I believe for a miracle. Next morning, Matt went into her bedroom. Her body was still warm, but she was gone. He called the family in. And Abby, the older sister, said, he said to them that Sarah's gone. And Abby said, Dad, is that why you called her? He said, I didn't call her. No, I heard a voice saying, Abby, or, or Sarah. And that brought comfort to Abby because it was the voice of God. He was calling her home. Today, there's a hospital being built in her memory in Dominican Republic. Long story. The ground, ideal real estate, given free. Architect plans, given free. Administration to look after it was built, given free. Long story. All I know is she used to pray for people and they'd get healed. She'd be at the altar. But God chose not to heal her, but take her. I don't understand why. And I don't park there. But we have to thank him even when we don't get it. Because I said, <laughs> if he told me why, I might not like what he says. But I know this. I know in whom I believe. And I know that he's able to keep all that I've committed to him against that day. And I'm getting closer to seeing Sarah again. So I'm saying all of this to encourage you. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's believing before you see it. It's obeying when you don't understand it. It's giving God what rightfully belongs to him when you think you can't afford it. It's persisting when you don't feel like it. It's thanking him before you get it. And it's trusting him when you don't get it. That's faith. Amen? So Lord, take your word. Hide it in our hearts. Help us, O oh God. You know exactly who's here. You know exactly what each individual's going through. All of us have challenges to face. And Lord, we just have questions at times, but we rested in you. We know that you're a God who loves us, that everything's under your control. At times when we lose sight of you, you never lose sight of us. Your hand is upon us. Your spirit dwells within us. There's challenges before us. But what you've been to us in the past, you'll be to us in the future and in the present. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and you always have your best interest at our heart. And so you love us, oh God. And even when we don't understand, we look unto Jesus, author and finisher of our faith, and we run the race set before us, laying aside every weight and encumbrance that can so easily beset us. We keep our gaze, unbroken gaze, 
upon Jesus. And we know that we are going to see you and our loved ones again. So bless your word to our hearts and be with us through the days of this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen.